morning, everyone, and welcome to our, I think, first ever uh, live stream of our Grace DC Network worship. And um, of course, you know, this comes in um, unsuspecting times, uh, but we are really grateful for uh, the ability to be able to worship together, uh, even though uh, we are not physically together, uh, to have our faith joined together so that we can worship. Uh, all through the ages, Christians around the globe have joined their hearts and their faith together during times of crisis, during times of uncertainty, and they have um, looked to the Lord in faith, in hope, and in love so that they could be the kind of people that God has always wanted us to be in the world. So we're glad to have you uh, tuning in live with us uh, on this Sunday morning. And before we start off, I just wanna give uh, a special shout out to our staff in the network churches. Uh, they have done uh, a wonderful job of helping us to prepare uh, for this, this new venture uh, for our community. Um, in all of my experience pastoring through pandemics, I have to say they're among the best that I've ever seen. So we want to thank them and uh, give them a shout out through email uh, if you have an opportunity to do that. Our call to worship for this morning uh, comes from Psalm 95 verses one through six. And the psalmist calls us to worship. He says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And God's people say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. If you would, uh, please join your faith with mine as we come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are grateful that we are in your hands, that we are in your care, that this is your world, that you love this city even more than we do. And we come to you confessing that we need you, Lord, um, that we are helpless and needy, and we need you to step in and draw near to us. Lord, we want to ask you for mercy uh, for this world. Lord, there are many who are enduring this pandemic, and they are in far more dire circumstances than we are here in our American context. And we know, Lord, that you are the Lord of nations and you care about the world. So Lord, first we pray for the body of Christ around the globe. We ask that you would be near to them. We pray that they would bear witness to hope in the face of tragedy. Lord, we pray for the pastors and leaders from churches around the globe that they would pastor the peace of Christ into their communities. We pray that this might be a time of renewal and revival as we are forced to face um, 
the tragedy that is before us, but also the opportunity that we have to continue in the great Christian tradition of neighbor love. Lord, we pray for our friends and neighbors uh, around the world and in this city who do not have uh, a firm foundation because they, they have no Jesus in their lives. Lord, we ask that you would uh, allow us to play some small role in introducing them to the hope that is in Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help us to serve and bless our city in the ways that are most wise and most helpful. Lord, we pray for uh, Mayor Bowser uh, and our president, President Trump. We pray that you would give them wisdom as to how they can form a response that is suitable for the times. Lord, we do ask for your blessing on uh, the medical workers and the emergency workers who are um, on the front lines of dealing with this, this situation. We ask that you would uh, give them wisdom and success. We pray for the researchers um, who are trying to uh, create a vaccine. Lord, we pray that you would give them um, quick breakthroughs. Lord, we pray for the protection of life. Lord, we pray for the vulnerable, uh, the elderly we think of in our city today. And Lord, we don't want to just pray for them. We want to be a part of serving them. So would you give us courage? Would you give us the grace of selflessness so that we can uh, look after them, so that we can um, extend uh, your care to them? Lord, most of all, we pray that you would be glorified in your church through the course of this pandemic. We pray that we would be light in the darkness and that we would be hope in a hopeless world. Lord, we commit our lives to you. We commit our city to you. We commit our church to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, I am really uh, looking forward to being able to bring this word to you uh, from 1 Peter this morning. Um, I want you to look with me at this scripture reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And this is God's word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The grass withers and the flowers fall, 
but the word of our God stands forever. This morning, I want to uh, offer a brief homily on the subject uh, that is presented to us in this text from 1 Peter. And my subject is the tested genuineness of your faith. The tested genuineness of your faith. I know this community uh, fairly well, having been here for 10 years now. Uh, I've had the opportunity to meet many of you across the network. And one of the things that I've realized is that many of you have spent lots of years of your lives in school. In school, you took lots of classes and learned many lessons and had lots of teachers, and all of this shaped your understanding of your particular professions and your life in the world. And in your educational journey, one of the important and often painful realities was that you had to go through tests. Now, me personally, I hated testing. I always got anxious when it was time for the test. But tests are designed to reveal what a student really knows. A good test should encourage the students who have a firm grip on the subject matter, and it should challenge the students who do poorly. Teachers of old referred to the Christian life as the school of faith. And for however long we've been enrolled in this school, we've taken lots of classes and learned many lessons from Christ that have shed light on our understanding of our Christian profession and our life in the world. But one of the important and often painful realities of this journey is that we have to go through tests. We may not enjoy the tests. We may get anxious when it's time for the test, but these tests are designed to reveal who we are, what we really believe, and what we truly love. That's what these tests are for. These tests are designed to reveal who we are, what we really believe, and what we truly love. This most recent turn of events with the, the COVID-19 pandemic, it's many things. It's tragic, it's difficult, um, it's scary. But for Christians who are looking at the world and its circumstances and events through a Christian lens, we know that we can understand this COVID-19 pandemic to be a providential test of the church as well. It's a test. Our faith is on trial. Who are we? What do we really believe? What do we truly love? We have a plummeting stock market that has crushed investment accounts. We have a looming threat to our health and the health of our loved ones. There's social concern about flooded hospitals and empty grocery stores. We face the choice of whether we will risk caring for our neighbors or retreat into self-preservation. It's all a test. And this test is revealing who we are, what we really believe, and what we truly love. And personally, it's caused me to think about my own score when it comes to the test. And it's also caused me to, to wonder what the class average among the members of our network churches will be. For all of our stated commitment to place and mission and being in and for the city, I wonder what will this test 
bring to light about us. We may hate testing. We may be anxious about the test that is upon us. But in his letter, the Apostle Peter encourages us in the face of testing. Peter tells us that a faith that proves genuine through testing is more precious than gold. A faith that proves genuine through testing is more precious than gold. We know that it's it's easy to talk a good game about love, but the test comes to reveal if we have more than talk. It's easy to project a concern for justice and mercy and care for the vulnerable when you're on social media, but the test comes to reveal if we have more than tweets. The fact is, you don't really know what you are trusting until there's a testing. You don't really know what you are trusting until there is a testing, until your faith is put on trial and the proof has to show up in the pudding. Peter is interested in encouraging these Christians about the trial that they're facing. And that encouragement comes down to to you and I this morning. And we're encouraged to think about this fire-tested faith that's more precious than gold. And I wanna briefly uh, work through this question of why it is that a fire-tested faith is more precious than gold. And the first first thing I, I wanna say, the first reflection I wanna offer is this. A fire-tested faith is more precious than gold because it brings humility. When fiery trials and tests arrive, they find Christians in one of two situations. There are those who have given careful attention to who they're becoming before God and what kind of life they're living in union with Christ. And these folks are humbled in the test because it shows them the work of God that he has accomplished in them. They know that who they have become and how they have lived is not just a response to grace, but a product of grace. This is encouragement that only the fiery test can provide. There is no encouragement like going through the fire and coming out on the other side with your faith intact. In fact, that's one of the ways that God grows our faith in the most profound ways. When we pray for an increase in our faith, when we pray for greater grace in our lives, when we pray to be useful in the world, we may not realize it, but we're praying for the fiery test. And there's humility that crops up for those who go through the test and they see the evidence of God's grace in their lives. But then there's another group. There are those who realize that they've been sleeping or disengaged from life in the Lord when they meet the fiery test. And they are humbled by their half-hearted spirituality and they're brought to repentance. This is correction that only the fiery test can provide. There are, there are ways in which our faith is instructed through the trial. There are ways in which we receive correction through trial 
that no amount of cautions from our friends, no amount of reading of books can provide for us. And in fact, what's interesting is that the man who wrote this letter, the Apostle Peter, knew something about that fiery test. Because the first real fiery test that he faced, he failed it miserably. He failed deeply when he denied Jesus. And it was that failure. It was that failure in which Jesus met him. It was that failure in the test that served to be a proving ground of the Lord's love for those who are not lovely, for those who are prone to fail the test. And when we meet those failures, when we realize our insufficiencies, when we realize how we have not lived up into the identity and life to which we have been called, it brings humility. And when we receive that correction, the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus in no way casts us off, but he prepares us, he grows us, he matures us. And we also see that in the life of our author, Peter, this morning. Because if you follow his life through the rest of the book of Acts, you see that God, through his spirit, tutors Peter. So that when he encounters tests later on, we find a new boldness. We find a, a, a new power, a new energy at work in him because he has learned from the previous test and he has learned to walk in humility and he has grown up into the grace and love of the Lord Jesus. You know, if I'm being honest with you this morning, I, I think that one of the greatest needs of the American church is fire testing that burns off the dross of cultural Christianity and all the syncretistic blends of Christianity that we have concocted. Christianity mixed with materialism and Christianity mixed with individualism and Christianity mixed with nationalism, all of which have caused great damage to Christian witness in America. This fire testing should bring us humility. And this is the very reason why it is precious, a faith that is fire tested is precious because it brings humility. But a fire tested faith is also precious because it brings reality. Now, in our cultural context, it's so easy to live in the deceptive illusion of our own invincibility as if we can safely put off the serious consideration of our own mortality and the mortality of our loved ones and neighbors. But here's the deal. As your pastors, we are out to minister to you, not just to prepare you for life in this world. We also wanna prepare you for death. And the fiery trial reminds us all of what is truly at stake in our Sunday morning worship gatherings, in our community group meetings, and in the rhythms of life that we are building together. The reality is that this world lies under the curse, and we are currently tasting something of what that means. Uh, you've heard us say over and over again that there was a curse that came upon the world after the fall 
of humanity into sin in Genesis 3. And we can pay lip service to the curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that, that the world's under the curse and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you realize that the devastation of that rarely dawns on us? And right now, we are getting a taste of the reality, the reality that the world is under the curse. And we're getting a taste of what that means. But at the same time, uh, we're getting uh, a, a deeper reality through this fiery trial. And that deeper reality is that resurrection blessing will flow far as the curse is found. And it's only through the fiery trial that we will taste something of what that means. This is why fire-tested faith is precious, because it brings reality. But finally, let me say that fire-tested faith is, is precious because fire-tested faith brings us Jesus. It's been said that you can know more of Jesus in one sanctified testing than in wading through a library filled with books. And I've heard older saints who have been through some things and who've lived some life and who have endured some tests say that you don't know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And countless saints in history and around the globe have, have testified to these truths. And they would have us know that happiness, true happiness, real joy, is not comprised of one part Jesus and three parts American dream. They would tell us that fire-tested faith is precious because it gives us Jesus. Through the test, he comes to us in all of his sufficiency and sympathy, in all his kindness and compassion, and he stands alone as the God who entered into the fire voluntarily with his people. The three Hebrew boys still testify that the Lord shows up in the fire with his people. And through Isaiah, the prophet, the Lord told us in advance that when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. Though the test reveals that we are needy, it also reveals Christ as a very present help in times of trouble. Though the test reveals that we are fearful, it also reveals Christ as faithful. Who are we? What do we believe? What do we love? We are the church, the Lord's beloved people, his missionary society. And we believe that we have been born again, as Peter said, to a living hope through the person and work of Christ. And what we love is the Lord our God. And we love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we love our neighbors as ourselves. This is our Christian profession. This is our identity. And it is these truths that the Lord is determined through this fiery trial, to work into our souls, to work into our rhythms, to work into our community, to work into our way of life, to work into our hearts.
This is who we are. And may the fiery test reveal these truths to be growing in our own hearts and in our own convictions. Let us persevere in these uncertain times so that our fire-tested faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we ask that you would remind us that when your word goes out, it does not fail to accomplish what you sent it to do. Your word works through the internet. Your word works through the radio waves. Your word is powerful because it goes out with your spirit, determined to work the grace of the gospel into the lives of your people. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us receive your word this morning with humble hearts. We pray that you would grant us repentance. We pray that you would grant us perseverance. We pray that you would encourage us and stabilize us in these trying times. Lord, most of all, we pray that as we persevere through this fiery trial, that we would have in our minds the conviction that these light and momentary afflictions cannot compare with the weight of glory that is going to be revealed in us. We pray, Lord, for a faith that will come out on the other side of this trial, pure and precious, a faith that may be able to stand on that day. So Lord, continue your work in us, encourage and bless us, and use us in the lives of our neighbors. Help us to get creative. Help us to be intentional. Help us to be your people in the world. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. And now, beloved friends, I want you to receive this blessing from the Lord God uh, as you stay in your house. Receive this blessing that the Lord Jesus gave to his disciples in their trying and fearful time. He said to them, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is good news, this is God's peace. Let his peace rest upon you, amen. And one final word before I go. Uh, I want to encourage you uh, to uh, take advantage of the, the link to the songbook uh, on this YouTube channel. And I want to encourage you to, to take some time to, to worship through singing together uh, with those in your house uh, and to lift your heart up to the Lord today. Um, uh, I want you to take advantage of this, this day of rest and to redeem the time. Uh, that we have while we are uh, quarantined in our houses, uh, God is, is able to, to work even now. So the Lord bless you. Uh, we will uh, look forward to, to tuning in with you uh, next week. God bless. <laughs>